Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's cast, the one-on-one refresh. If you've been doing one-on-ones for one, two, three, or even four years, and you're like us, your core manager tool may have gotten a little bit stale. So what do you do about it? Well, you'll start by listening to this cast. Here we go. Well, I'm sure you know a lot of managers like I do where for years, sometimes for years, doing one-on-ones, you're getting good results or else you wouldn't keep doing them, right? So, right, right. But every once in a while, myself, you, friends, associates, it's good to just step back and reset, kind of revisit the whole thing and improve the effectiveness of them. Yeah, I, I you know, um, I think, yeah, you get a little bit stale maybe and, and, um, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable with such a systemic behavior that it's really a second nature. That's a good thing, right? You, you, as we say, when we deliver the feedback model, we say you should know it for, for American managers. It's like the Pledge of Allegiance. Everybody knows it and you just take it for granted. The process of it is, is taken for granted. It, it fades into the background. Right. But I probably should just clarify myself a little bit because I, I'm not saying at all that they've gotten off track or have you know, gradually become ineffective at it. I'm not saying that at all, right? Yeah, no, 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 I agree, yeah. It's good to be comfortable. And yet, as you say, it's nice to reset. You know, you get comfortable with a core behavior and it makes you forget how to be your very best at it, right? I mean, who here thinks of every word and the, you know, who, what, what American manager or what American citizen really delivers every word of the Pledge of Allegiance with gusto every time, right? Uh, the joke is we're not pledging allegiance to the flag. We're pledging allegiance to the pledge that was written next to it. So at the same time, one-on-ones are a process. And that process we want to know really well and have it like second nature. It's the items in the one-on-one. It's the, it's the conversations. It's the stuff we're talking about that is the content of this process. And what ends up happening is you begin to think of them as the content rather than the process. We forget the connection between the process and the content and weak process if we get stale with it, or if we're just a little off track or we haven't reinvested lately, it begins to infect the content. The content becomes less good. Our soft process, our weak process ends up creating less than ideal content. Um, we don't get good as good a results as we could have if we were refocused. If we're not sharp in how we run our one-on-ones, we get less good information from our directs, our relationship building plateaus when we could be deepening and growing the relationships. So how do we refresh one-on-ones? What, what can we do to to refresh, reset, and get a little bit more out of them? Yeah, this cast was actually born out of a question that came out of a conference, and it's an opportunity for us to share something that we talk about at conferences and expand upon it a little bit, for those of you who have not yet been to a conference. And, and we're going to recommend two specific actions to improve your one-on-one quality. Uh, the first is to do a fresh rollout, which we've talked about a little bit before, but we'll just touch on again today. And then number two, we recommend that every manager, when they're going to reassess or reset on -on one-on-ones, that they focus on their own behaviors. And there are three key one-on-one behaviors, and those are asking better questions, listening more effectively, and taking better notes. Asking questions, listening, and taking notes are the three core behaviors involved in a manager engaging in a one-on-one. Once you get them scheduled, it's all about asking questions, 
listening effectively and taking notes. And we'll talk about how you can improve each one of those super easily. And some people will, when they hear some of our recommendations today, they're going to say, well, that's kind of second nature. That's kind of common sense. Yeah. Cause we don't want to make your reset hard. We don't want to make it a six month process of improvement. Okay. We know you're not going to rededicate yet. We know your performance improvement goal for this year is not going to be improve your one-on-ones by 50%. We want a 10% improvement in a core process, which is a big darn deal. And we want to make it easy. We want each one of you able to do almost all of this almost immediately. And so it's very straightforward. Now you're recommending that, that folks do a fresh rollout. Now you tell me that we got to start all over. Again. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Well, I, I, Oh yeah, actually I am. And, and you can, I'll let you finish the cast because I get like, hit, by, <laughs> yeah. hit by a rock. I don't have to finish um, it because anybody who's going to want is going to just simply turn it off. Yeah, turn it off. We're done. It. Yeah. <laughs> right. Look, we, we've shared our Trinity rollout plan previously and we definitely go through it in detail at the conference. So what we basically say is if you're at the conference and you've already started doing one-on-ones, we still recommend you quote, start over unquote, um, with your directs. And, and, uh, it's very simple. I mean, this is very basic. What you do is you announce to your directs that you intend to refresh. Organizations do this all the time with pay and finance and accounting. You know, they audit things to make sure things are going well and then tighten up their processes. We do this in sales processes. We're constantly tightening up the sales cycle and the sales process and so on. Uh, accounts receivable, accounts payable, all those things get refreshes periodically. When it comes to management, this is the most important process, the biggest uh, value deliverer in the long run. And so we just say, look, I want to refresh. For those people at the conference, we actually say, look, tell them you went to the conference, you retouch base with the core stuff, and you know you got some stuff you can improve upon. You slipped off track in a couple of areas you think you can be better. I want to get back on track. And basically what we recommend is you modify that sample email text that we have on the website and send out a new email to your directs just saying, hey, I, I you know, I want to refresh our one-on-ones. And, and uh uh, this will be in the show notes, but basically what it says is, and this email goes out to each one of your directs, is I've decided to refresh our one-on-ones. I think they're working well. I think every once in a while, it's a good idea to revisit basic processes to make sure they're effective and efficient. Their purpose is to maintain good open communication and continue to build our relationship. It helps to make sure we're always doing that. As a reminder to you, here's roughly the same email I sent out when we started. The basics are going to be the same, 30 minutes once a week, pre-scheduled and usually unchanged time. It'll be a private conversation. The format of the 30 minutes will be the same. First 10 minutes are for your agenda, anything you want to tell me, et cetera, et cetera. The primary focus of the meeting is going to be you. The middle 10 minutes are for me to share whatever I need with you. We'll probably talk about projects you and I are working on, et cetera, et cetera. It will not be a team meeting with only one attendee. That is, I'm not going to just give you a ton of stuff to take notes on. The last 10 minutes are for us to talk about the future, your career, training, development, opportunities, etc. Fairly straightforward. I look forward to hearing from you about what we can do to make our one-on-ones more effective. And then sign your name. That's it. Sounds pretty simple. Yeah. All we're doing is, is reminding them that we're going to go back to the basics, but we already are probably pretty good at the basics. But it doesn't hurt to put an eye on them every once in a while. And look, if you choose to do so, you can go a step further. Allow everybody on the team. Add the bit that says, look. Here are the number of times. Take your number of directs, multiply them by 1.5. So if you have eight directs, you come up with 12 times and say, let's throw our times up in the air and everybody pick a new time. Allow everybody in the team to reselect their weekly one-on-one time as well. Now, managers do this a number of different ways. A lot of managers say, nah, I don't want to do it. I'm comfortable with the times. Some other managers go, yeah, let's throw it up to the wind. And then other managers go, look, here are all the times I have. 
If you want your same time, I'll keep that time for you if you ask for it. If you want to change, that's fine. But once you change, your old time is available to somebody else. It's not in the show notes, but let me ask you a question. What are the things that managers do when they get away from really doing one-on-ones well? What do you think the mistakes they make? I got a couple in my mind. I'm just curious what, what you think. Are we talking about separate from compliance? I mean, just not doing them as often? Well, that'd be one of them. I mean, to me, that'd be the first thing. Right? Yeah, which sure. Is, which yeah, is it's the first going thing. Going away yeah. from from weekly and saying, "Oh, well, I've got a great relationship, so now I'll do them every two weeks." For example, that would be to me. That's like number one. Yeah, they go to every two. Compliance is the first one. They go to every two weeks, or suddenly they're at sixty five percent. They slip below seventy five percent compliance, right? So they're yeah. scheduled every week, but only three out of four weeks do they do them, and right. they skip a whole week, or it hit it's hit and miss with certain people. And over the course of the year, everybody ends up getting 65, 70% of their one-on-ones, which we think is is worrisome. Yeah, they, or they schedule it and they get conflicts and they don't immediately reschedule yeah. it. And so it just becomes one of those things like, ah, don't worry about it. We'll, cut, we'll cover it next week. Yeah. Now, we don't talk about that in this cast. We're talking about in intra-one-on-one behaviors in terms of things you do in the, the one-on-one. But we have found part of the reason we don't talk about scheduling is when managers say, I'm going to reset, there's an inherent commitment to, yeah, it's going to be every week. And we find that managers who do this reset come really back close to 100% compliance in terms of timeliness very quickly. So that's not something we talk about in this cast. So compliance is the first thing. Actually, it is something we talked about because we just did, but okay. No, yeah, okay. Well, We're not going to talk any more about it. <laughs> in terms of the behaviors, right, yeah. exactly. Good, good, good point. Um, the next thing that I see is just sloppiness around end time, you know, 45, 50, 60-minute one-on-ones that are just really kind of lazy, that are unstructured. Yeah, I think that's the what I see is the the unstructured nature of it, which is it becomes – we have a very specific format. If you don't know it, then you need to go back and listen to the one-on-ones. But we have a very structured, you know, 10, 10, 10, 10 for the direct, 10 for you, and then 10 for the future. And then, you know, 80 plus percent of the time, it becomes 15, 15. But without all that said, what happens, I see, is folks do one-on-ones. They're not doing them as, as frequently, and they're, they're missing them. So compliance is bad. But when they're doing the one-on-ones, the other thing that happens is they walk in and they just forget the format entirely, and it becomes a status meeting. The first 10 minutes doesn't go to the direct. It, it, it turns into the direct coming, giving the manager a, a status update. Yeah. I was going to separate sloppiness from a particular form of agenda hijacking, which is waterfall. It just becomes a waterfall. The boss just tells their directs what they want and, and the direct sees it as a, you know, they're, they're here to get work. And there's some benefit to that, but that's not a one-on-one, and so let's not con- let's not talk apples and oranges. So yeah, I think those are the the big ones. I think I think also there are managers who make it too much their own, and, and what I mean by that, and th- this is a sort of a hodgepodge category to answer your question, where the sales manager makes it very salesy, very energetic, very fun, and it's very salesy, even if he's talking to a person who's a very low key person working for him. And uh, then there's the engineer manager who makes it very precise and very correct and doesn't allow it to be free-flowing for those people who are that way. In other words, the meeting quickly takes on the entire personality of the manager rather than each one of the meetings being about each one of the directs. And so I often diagnose that when I'm watching it. It's like, wow, this meeting is just you. And yeah, I know you're the common vantage point in all of them, but that doesn't mean that they all should be the same. Uh, my one-on-ones with 
a couple people have been very different because the people are very different. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. So that, that's what I see to answer your question, yeah. Good, okay. So let's go on to our next point in the context of that. And I, I think the context there that I'm talking about is the focus on the direct and losing that focus on the direct. So now let's talk about what managers can do, what behaviors they can improve on in the one-on-one itself. Yeah, look, you've introduced the idea, you're going to have them again, but now you got to look at them with some fresh eyes. It means thinking about what we do and getting better at it. And when we remind conference attendees that the three basic behaviors are asking questions, listening, and taking notes, everyone nods their heads, but at the same time, they realize they haven't really thought of it that way, right? They don't really think about the individual behaviors that you're working on in a one-on-one. And that's another case of behavior being all around us, but being mostly unseen unless you're really being professional about about your job and really, really focusing hard at it. And that's that goes back to that old saying about don't ask the fish about the water, right? They don't see it. But we have three recommendations. Ask better questions, listen more effectively, and take better notes. So let's start with asking better questions, right? There are three easy ways to adjust and improve the questions you ask. The first one we've already talked about in a previous cast, and it's 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 so unique. We made it its own cast. It was originally part of this cast, and in thinking about it, I I thought it totally overpowered this cast, and that's why we've done it. I think it went out a few months ago. Which is, please ask the same question to start each one on one. How you doing? What's up? Your agenda? Anything you want? And that allows you to pay close attention to the response you get. And for those of you with show notes, we'll have a link to the cat that cast in the show notes. So that's one way, just standardize that first question. I know that sounds counter to uh, my comment earlier about personalization, but there's nothing wrong with the first question starting as a way of saying, this is your meeting. And doing that in a standard way means we don't have to think about it. And the directs knows they're going to get the same question every time. And the agenda is going to be theirs. It's an easy way to hand off the agenda because most meetings agendas that include you and your directs are about you and not about the direct. Okay. The second way to ask better questions is simply to prepare. And in my experience, the way I get better questions, um, you don't take anything more than five minutes before each one-on-one. Review what you want to accomplish. And here's the key. Write down the questions you want answers to. Now, I had an executive tell me once, Mark, the way I do it is I write questions on a yellow sticky note. And then I write the answers on the one-on-one form. And if the question's good, if it gets me a good answer, I keep the question and move it forward to another one-on-one form. And that way I have the question and I don't have to rewrite the question every time. You can see the questions you ask and you can reuse the ones that are really, really good. I happen to like that one. I've used it many, many times. Although sometimes I admit my question is, what about this? And then I've circled a note from something else. Um, and I've paper clipped them together and, and clipped them to the one-on-one form. So prepare, take a few minutes and ask yourself, what questions am I going to ask this person? After they ask for updates, what am I going to ask? And hopefully what you'll find is you're going to get better at asking questions designed to find out what they need or what they want or how things stand. And I'll give you a great example. The wrong question to ask is how are we doing on Project X? If you are a manager who asks that, how are we doing on Project X or how's the project going? I'm telling you, If you haven't figured out yet that every person on the planet and some people who aren't on the planet would be smart enough to say to you the word fine or whatever passes for that word in your language, uh, if you haven't figured that out yet, you ain't paying attention because that is the standard. In fact, I think in hell, all projects are fine. I mean, they're all red, but they're also fine. And so we don't ask that question. 
you can choose to ask, are you behind on any deliverables? Yes or no, right? And you don't even have to say yes or no, although some of us high Ds, we do. You know, are you behind on any deliverables? Are you yellow or red on any deliverable right now? Yes or no. That's a yes or no question. Are you on track to meet all your deliverables between now and our next one-on-one? That's a yes or no. And if they say well, then you need to write down everything they say after the word well. So that's an example of paying attention to the responses you get and recognizing how we're doing, how are we doing on Project X or how the project's going is a bad question. You're wasting time. And you only have 30 minutes and most of us know our our one-on-ones feel pinched and that's a good thing. Okay. And let me ask you a question about that, about the yes or no. And because you read a lot of, uh, it could be on blogs or books or whatever about conversations, right? And and, and one of the purposes of the one-on-one or the primary purpose is to build a relationship. And most folks would advise that when you ask questions, you answer them in a very open-ended manner that can't be answered by simply a yes or no. You mean, in other words, you you ask them in an open-ended way. Yeah. Give me an update on Project X. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's wrong. That's oh, wrong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I'm saying, what, what we're saying when we do that, this is classic. This is the behavioral sciences, the soft approach to behavioral sciences where there are no consequences, where everyone is equal, where all things are good, uh, and all status is okay because we wouldn't want to harm anyone. Of course, while the, while the organization is being harmed, um, <laughs> It's fundamentally wrong in an organization where there are profits and commitments on the line. If you said I would, when you sign up to manage a project, you're saying I will to the best of my ability to deliver all these tasks on time and on budget. That's what the project manager says every day when she goes to work. I will to the best of my ability deliver all these pro- all these tasks on time and on budget. And therefore the project will deliver on time and on budget. That's the statement. That's your mantra as a, as a project manager. So then to ask open-ended questions, which for any reasonably intelligent person who's been on any amount of projects, which five to 10% of the, the deliverables are always in danger of, or are already yellow, or in fact already red, but haven't yet been reported as red because the deadline hasn't been met, but there's no way it can be met. Uh, anyone who knows what projects are like because of human frailty and human weakness and human mistakes and resource constraints and vague commitments and so on, everyone knows that a vague question can receive a truthful answer that is not accurate. And when it comes to projects, and I'm only picking on one thing, projects here, but it's a good sort of stocking horse for the idea of vague questions or open-ended questions. A vague question can produce a truthful response that is inaccurate. And projects are about accuracy. Tasks, deliverables, resources, constraints, deadlines, and budgets are fundamentally about accuracy. They're true or false. They're right or wrong. They're a percentage. They're a number. They're a yes or a no, or they're a status. And the status is not everything from black to white with every fundamental shade of of gray in between. It's red, yellow, or green. It's red, amber, green, right? This is a very discrete function. It is not a continuous function. It's not, we're mostly there. So therefore, we don't ask questions designed to get, we're mostly there, or I feel good, or this is headed in the right direction. It's either is or it is not. Yeah, I can I can understand that in the context of managing a project or a project status meeting or something specific like that. But I'm a little surprised to hear you say it in the context 
of a one-on-one, which where the purpose uh-huh. is to Yeah, but you didn't let me finish. You didn't let me finish. You didn't let me finish. <laughs> so that's the first part. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, right, so I'm picking projects, right? And, 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 and projects work. And, and, and when we talk about things our directs are doing, whether it's repetitive work that isn't project-related but still has quantified deliverables associated with it or metrics associated with it, you can make the case that it has project-like characteristics associated with it. Yes, this is about a relationship, but it is also about an adult professional relationship. And if you read four or five sociology books or psychology books, you when you talk about relationships, you'll talk about shared meaning and shared commitment and all kinds of things, which when they actually define it, if you define it from a business perspective, you could say, yes, that would be X, Y, and Z here. And those things would take the form of deliverables and results and tasks and commitments and and true and false and yes and no and numbers and times and budgets and overages and underages uh, underages and so on. So this is not just any relationship. It is not a purely human, asexual, gender-neutral friendship. It is an adult professional relationship that my role and their role, if I'm the manager, we have roles, they are different, and I'm always going to be the boss. And you're always going to be working on work that's related to the organization. And I have certain abilities uh, relative to you and you have certain obligations relative to me as, as I do to the company. And so therefore, it is misleading to ask open-ended questions. And I'm not saying there aren't times for open-ended questions. There are a mix of closed questions and open questions. And, and I know you're asking about this because I gave a specific example of a good question, which is more closed-ended. And frankly, most junior managers I know are in that vein of asking open-ended questions, probably because they just talked to a psychology professor in the past five years. But the fact is, the relationship we are attempting to build in our one-on-one is in the purview of work. It is a professional relationship. It is an adult relationship. And it is misleading for me to ask a direct who's an adult who works for me to the open-ended questions as if to suggest that their work, their words can be truthful and not accurate. I would be patting them on the head and said, it's okay. You can talk like a child for a moment. And, and what will happen is they'll do it. I'll recognize they're talking like a child. I won't promote them and they'll wonder why. And it will be because I am now misleading them by talking to them in a way that devalues their ability to meet their commitments, which is part of being an adult and a professional. Interesting. I, okay, then that's I, I stand corrected. I, I I thought the purpose of this was uh, simply to learn the uh, the names yeah. of our of their kids and their spouses' names and what they yeah. do on the weekend. And you're, what you're telling me here is that actually we might actually talk about work. Yeah, okay. and I, I'll take it a step further. Just a little. Shocked. I rarely I rarely like the way I sound on the cast, but in the last three or four years, that may be one of the best offhand answers I feel like I've ever given. And, and I feel completely in defense of the concept of an adult professional relationship in the workplace, not being everybody feeling good about one another. I love my directs and I hold them accountable. And there's no form, higher form of professional love than holding one, one's peers and associates and colleagues accountable for their commitments. Well done, my friend. I, I don't think most folks may not realize but that whole thing there was not in the show notes. I just decided no, that's to not throw a zinger at Mark to see yeah. how he'd handle it. So I could, I, I, come to think of it, I could give a whole speech about that topic. No, but, but don't, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Where's my soapbox? Where's... Where's Hyde Park Corner when I need it? Yeah, we took that away a, a year yeah. or so ago, so you don't get it back. 
Okay, Speaker's so corner here I come. Anything more on questions, or did did we 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 pretty much covered that, didn't we? Well, actually, yeah. The final recommendation on better questions uh, is to actually make your one on ones more conversational. Oh, okay. We're we're finally going to get to my point. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's not confuse conversation with softness. <laughs> uh, that was good though. Um we, you know, we've shared in a previous cast about the co- one of the core conversational techniques is to answer when 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 person X talks, if person X and person Y are in a conversation, when person X makes a statement, person Y should respond to that statement and then res- and then finish with a question which turns the conversation back over to the other person. You direct ask a question or makes a statement and in a conversation in, in a one-on-one conversation you reply with first a statement responding to his statement or question and then you ask a question in return. It makes the conversation flow more smoothly and this actually leads to more information being exchanged. It sounds like this. So you take the first part of the thing and I'll, I'll take the second. What do you say, Mike? Okay, sounds good. So, um, hey, boss, I'm ahead of uh, schedule on X, uh, surprisingly. That's great. Well done. I love to hear that. Are you, are you seeing an ability to continue that, or are you going to take some slack time and sort of let stuff catch up? Yeah, I guess it kind of depends on the priorities. I mean, do you think I can focus elsewhere? Sure. Based on what you're telling me, sure, I think you can. What, what, what would you choose? Probably Project Y. That seems to be the one that's kind of got the most issues right now and something that needs a little bit more focus. Yeah. That works for me. Are are you thinking you're good on Project Y, or do you need some help from me? Oh no, man, I I I got it. I've got uh, everything. Oh, you know, there is one thing I need. Can you help me with um, Vendor X? He, uh, you know, the contact. They're just not get me what I need. I might need your help there. Oh, sure, I'd be happy to give you some help. Can you be more specific? Right. So there. So there. There's an example. And folks, if you play that back, you'll hear statement question, statement question, statement question, statement question, statement question. And rather than me making a statement and Mike wondering where to go, I make a statement and then ask a question. And this is the way you can make your one-on-ones more conversational. And conversational questions aren't as confrontational as some managers make one-on-ones. When it comes to their time, they say, what about X? What about Y? What about Z? What about A? What about C? Why is that that way? Why is that that way? Right. And you could have asked me a hundred questions in that manner and never found out never. that I was having a yeah. problem with vendor X. Yeah. And to me, this goes to your issue about relationship. You're right. This is a relationship. It's an adult professional relationship. What I was talking about in terms of being clear and asking precise questions is the adult and professional part. And this conversational recommendation is about the relationship part. I can ask you adult professional questions in the context of a conversation that get all the information I need in, in, in a, in a format that I can, that, that benefits me, but it is not an interrogatory to you. It's not aggressively interrogative toward you. You. And if I start interrogating you, I'm going to cut down on people. You're going to feel interrogated and you're going to start minimizing the information. You'll answer my questions and perhaps you'll be minimally truthful. But in that case, if you're also minimally truthful, you may also be less than accurate. Good. I like it. So let's, let's talk about the next behavior, which is listening more effectively. Um, yeah. Okay. Look, there's lots of guidance on listening better. We're going to recommend a couple of simple techniques that anybody can do. And we're recommending these things because they're easy. And yet we see very very few managers doing them. And look, as we said earlier, we don't want to make this a six-month improvement project on your one-on-ones. We want this to be doable almost as an inline change, like almost like changing your tires as you're driving, okay? 
So, and this is a specific recommendation. Our first recommendation regarding listening is uh, specific for phone one-on-ones because hopefully every manager at some point or another has ended up doing them. Some managers, those virtual teams are doing them a lot. And that is if you're on the phone in a one-on-one, close your eyes. Folks, you're a visual creature. At least last time I checked, you were human, if you can hear me and understand me. When we're looking at one thing, our desk, our papers, our email, our computer screen, while talking to somebody else who's not here, we just don't listen as well. We get so much visual information in, we actually start reading our computer screen, and you can't read and listen and do both well at the same time. And I know that because... Mike does it all the time to me because sometimes I'm focused on the adult professional part and not in the relation. No, I'm kidding. Um, and of course, as he well knows, I do it to him too. <laughs> and when either of us does it to the other, we know it. Yeah, we know it immediately. And frankly, so does everybody else. Yep. Uh, you, you can tell. I, I, I was talking to one of my children today and um, she just drifted off. And I closed my eyes and immediately knew where she was. She was on the phone, on her headset, texting someone else. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So that's a that's a, a bit of advice about future feedback coming one of my children's way. So look, we're not suggesting you close your eyes during the entire call. You got to take notes. But when you really want to focus on what your director is saying and why they're saying it, close your eyes and picture them talking. And you can actually build facial expressions and body language to go with the words, and it will directly it will greatly reduce the noise which is to say visual information that is not about the person you're talking to, the noise that keeps you from hearing subtleties and and the full effect of what they're trying to get across. Because as we've said before, communication is what the listener does. Yeah, let me, let me add something. It's not in the show notes um, either, but there are some folks who I've seen them engage in one-on-ones and while their director's talking, they're listening, but they're gazing out the window or they're not looking at their direct or their eyes are anywhere but on the direct. And and some say, look, that's just the way I think. Yeah. Well, look at, I'll tell you what, if you want your direct to actually believe you're listening, look them in the eyes, look at them, engage with them. Um, yeah. I, I just see that too often. And, and Yeah. That's the collateral. That's the, 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 the other half of this. If, the, if you're face to face, obviously look them in the eye. If you can look them in the eye and lean forward rather than leaning back in your chair and looking out Even the window better. and saying, mm-hmm, right? The classic executive pose, leaning back, looking out the window, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which is to say, uh-uh, uh-uh. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You might as well be a kid saying, yes, huh? Um, so... Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Close your eyes if you're on the phone, and if you're face-to-face, look them in the eye. Number two, clear your desk. Anything in your line of vision is a distraction. We're amazed when we observe O3s, how many are done at messy decks, desks, amid pushed-aside piles of professional detritus. That You just, it's like, whose desk is this, and why are you sitting there? Because no professional at your level should have a desk that looks like that. It's not a good look. It's not a good plan for communication. Clear off the desk. You don't have to clear all your desk. You have to clear a couple of feet on either side and the path between you and your direct. Not that big a deal. Yeah. And third, stop interrupting, right? <laughs> God, high D's and high I's, the folks who just love to assert themselves or talk, it's not just that you don't hear things when you're talking. You don't hear things said before you start talking because you start thinking about what you're going to say before the person's even gotten their point out of their mouth. Uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. you know, and then you create this assumption that you're going to interrupt, and that means less communication from your direct. So yeah, and the way we teach that is we teach the one breath rule, which is wait until your direct is finished talking, and then wherever you are in your breath, 
wait until you've exhaled before you talk. And it will absolutely kill you. (laughs) And your direct will hardly notice because you just think talking faster after someone else talks is a good thing. Yeah. They won't notice, but they're going to feel an awful lot better about your communications with them. Yeah. And it gives you a chance to write things down. And for those of you who say, look, I don't like this note-taking thing. My directs think I'm, I'm, uh, what's the word they always say? I'm, I'm documenting. Well, I don't like it. And so that's why I want to look them in the eye. And if I'm looking in the eye, I can't take notes. Well, first of all, I've taken plenty of notes in my life when I'm looking somebody in the eye and it works just fine. And frankly, you can look in the eye and then when they're done, you can take notes and it doesn't affect the relationship at all in a negative way anyway. Yeah. And there's some things you can do to take better notes, right? I mean, that's, it's a skill just like anything else. There's, there's a skill to taking notes and you can get better. Yeah. We've already recommended the Cornell note-taking technique, which is really good. We have a cast on that. We encourage you to go look for it. But two things that frankly, I'm surprised when I watch managers take notes in one-on-ones, the things I see that I feel like are easily improved for the vast majority of managers who aren't doing them is number one, learn how to abbreviate. I am surprised by managers who try to write whole names out or whole project names out or detailed project or task information out longhand, right? Create your own abbreviations and your own shorthand. Capital letters circled are the first initial of someone's name, right? So if there's a B with a circle on it, that's Bob. Or Barbara, if it's Barbara and you have a Bob, then put a BA for Barbara and a B for Bob or a BO for Bob, right? Projects are a first letter preceded by a P. So PX is project X, right? With a circle around it. And then secondly, and this is the one that really changed my ability to use one-on-ones after the fact is decide how you're going to notate deliverables for you and for your directs. Some people circle twice. Some people draw a cloud around an item. That's what I do. Some people double underline. Some people draw a box around things. Some people even use highlighters, but I don't like having two things in my hand at the same time. And please don't send me a a pin with a pin on one end and a highlighter on the other. Uh, (laughs) I get those all the time. You should use these, Mark. We recommend any technique that you can quickly look at an O3 form and know what tasks are there for you to do, if there are any at all. You should be able to look at it visually without reading everything and know where the deliverables are. Those two things, abbreviations and deliverables that stand out from a distance, are great time savers and will improve your note-taking. And you'll remember, because you essentially attach additional emotional content to those those cues, those visual cues, they're much easier to remember at the end of the year as well when you're preparing reviews. Yeah, I agree. And much easier to review in the five minutes prior to your next one-on-one. Yeah. Which is where, where the real value is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go right back to that when we say get ready and ask the right questions, right? There yeah. you go. Good. Okay, so how about a quick wrap-up what we covered today? Yeah. So, look, one-on-ones are so important that the process is worth revisiting and never letting get stale. Fresh team members, when they join us, right, helps us reassess how we're doing because we're starting new with that individual. Hopefully everyone knows that if you have a team and you've been doing one-on-ones and feedback for a year and you have a new person, they don't immediately get one-on-ones and feedback all at once. You do one-on-ones with them for a couple of three months and then add feedback, positive first and then negative. But look, if it's been a while and your team stayed the same, it's good to periodically step up your skills. And here's the thing, small improvements on a critical skill is usually worth more than a big improvement on some ancillary work. Always reinvest in your core assets one-on-ones being a core managerial asset. And within one-on-ones, those three core behaviors are asking questions, listening, and taking notes. So do a fresh rollout. Remind everybody you're going to just 
been trying to get better. Um, good, better, best, never let me rest until my good is better and my better best. Thank you, Forrest Heard. And uh, ask better questions, listen more effectively, and take better notes. And that's it. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. And uh, thanks, partner. Sorry I took you down that uh, that undocumented no, I'm not sorry. Uh, rabbit hole. You did well. You did well. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right, man. See you. Right. Take Bye. care, buddy. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it and hope to see you back here again next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.